You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. First Thessalonians 5. You know what to do with your phones and as far as distractions are concerned. Let's make sure that we focus in. This blessed old book, let's give it its due respect. Church, I don't tell you enough. I love you. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to serve here with you. Truly is the honor of my life. I don't know of a pastor who is more blessed than me. And I'm so thankful for you all. And I'm looking forward to what the Lord has in the future. It is my intention to begin a series of messages on how to deal with people. It was my intention to start that series tonight, but news reached me this week that hurt. And I felt led to preach this. I'll tell you of that news later in the message. I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want you to be worried. I was hesitant to preach this message. If I'm fully honest, I am hesitant to preach this message. Because I feel there are many ways to do it wrong and only one way to do it right. But since I received that news, this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5 could not escape my mind. It's verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. Those four words are the title of my message also. Lord, please speak as only you can. Speak in spite of me, through me, without me, whatever it is, but please do not let this time be wasted time. Help us as a church to learn and grow and move forward. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Brethren, the subject of this verse is the church. Brethren. Uh, Certainly it's talking about the worldwide family of believers, but specifically... When you look at this, it's talking to the, he's talking to the church, the local church at Thessalonica. So for us, specifically this verse is talking to the church, the, the family that God has given us here at Heritage Baptist Church. Brethren, pray. The verb of this verse is prayer. We don't need to take time on that. Maybe only to say not everything that we call prayer is prayer. Lord, thank you for this food. Amen. We can do better. Lord, be with the president. We can do better. 
can go deeper than that. Prayer is not just peeking your head in the throne room and demanding something and then leaving. It's coming in and taking time. I like it when I'm praying with the men and maybe I pray first or they go to pray first and they don't start right away. I like that. There's a man named Richard Wormbrandt. He was captured by the communists in Russia. Russia, I think it was. And um, he eventually was released, not after great, but only after great torture at the hands of the communists. And he was out to lunch with a preacher that I know personally. Um, And they were out to eat. And Brother Wormbrand looked at the preacher and said, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and pray for the food. And they bowed their head, and the preacher said, Brother Wormbrandt didn't pray. Ten seconds, 30 seconds, three minutes, and he didn't say a word. So the preacher thought maybe he wanted me to pray. So the preacher just started praying, well, Lord, we ask, we're thankful for the fellowship, and thank you for him being here. God, thank you for changing his life and bringing him out of that and just went to pray. And when he was done, he looked up and Brother Wormbrandt was staring daggers at him. And he said, that's the problem with you Americans. You rush too quickly into God's presence. Pray. Brethren, pray. For us. The object of this verse is certain of us. This verse is not telling us to pray for the church as a whole. Other verses do that. This verse is not telling us to pray for the lost. Other verses do that. It's not telling us to pray for God to move in our midst. Other verses do that. It's not telling us to pray for God to call more into his service. Other verses do that. Certainly we should pray for those things. But this verse is not doing that. This verse is not calling for us to pray for our enemies. Other verses do that. This verse, the us in this verse, is talking about Paul and those who ministered with him. Brethren, pray for those in ministry. Brethren, pray for your missionaries. Brethren, pray for pastors. Brethren, pray for youth pastors. Brethren, pray for ministry leaders. Brethren, pray for staff members. Pray for us. Certainly we're to pray for all, right? But here, there's a specific request from somebody in ministry to the church for them to pray for those in the ministry. Now, let me preface this, please, humbly and sincerely and clearly. 
This request in verse 25 is not based upon a profession of our eminence over the people which we lead. This request is based upon an admission of the dependence upon the people which we serve. This request is not made because we are better than you. This request is made because we're better with you. Those in ministry are not to be prayed for because we're important. God is no respecter of persons. We hold no importance because we're in ministry and others aren't. We get in trouble when we think that. And we'll get into that later. Those in ministry are not to be prayed for because we're important. We're to be prayed for because we're vulnerable. The very nature of our ministry requires us to be out in front where the fiery darts of the wicked are the quickest and the hottest. I've had this verse in my, my notes, my seed thought notes. And I've thought about preaching this for a while. But I received a letter last week that made me believe it was time. And when I received that letter, I wrote down the following reasons. I think I have eight reasons why I request, along with Paul, brethren, pray for us. First thing I wrote down is our work is great. Now, gentlemen who are in here, and ladies as well, I have no right to say that your work is not important. I have no right to say that what you do has no influence or purpose. It certainly does. But there is something different about ministry work. Is there a greater work on earth than the work of the ministry? And in order to answer that question, we have to ask this one. Is there any other work on earth that affects eternity like the work of the ministry? Show me the most powerful ruler in the world. And his work does not compare to the work of the ministry. If he succeeds, his success will end at his death. Solomon talked about that. If we succeed, our success never ends. If he fails, he loses his reign. If we fail, we lose souls. Show me the most dependable lawyer in the world. His work cannot compare to the work of the ministry. If he succeeds, he wins a case. If we succeed, we win a soul. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? If he fails, he loses a case. If we fail, we lose a soul. Show me the most educated doctor in the world. His work cannot compare to the work of the ministry. 
If he succeeds, a person's life is prolonged. If we succeed, a person's soul is immortalized. If he fails, he loses a patient, he loses a life. We fail, we lose a soul. Consider your own job. If you mishandle a situation, what do you lose? You lose money, you lose a client, you lose your job. If those in ministry mishandle a situation, we can lose, we can lose a family. And those are souls. And if you lose a family, you could lose generations of families. How many people have you met who used to go to church, but they say we don't anymore? And let me tell you why. And they tell you of somebody in ministry that mishandled a situation. My wife and I were uh, on a staycation at one point. I won't tell you where, but we were at Top Golf, and we were enjoying our time. And uh, a very sweet lady was was waitressing for us, and she came by and and she ended up asking, like, "I can your kids are so well behaved, your kids are so well behaved, and you know, do you are you from here?" And one thing led to another, and. I used to go to church. It was an independent fundamental Baptist church in the area. And we knew the church. And we went, and we didn't understand everything at first, she said, but they seemed sincere, and they seemed loving, and they showed things from the Bible, and we were not used to that, you know? And so it, it intrigued us, even though, even though we didn't, she said this, even though we didn't agree with everything, we stayed because we felt like we needed to learn. And even though we didn't see everything and understand everything, there's something that was compelling us to go. But we had a baby, and the baby was very sick. And through the sickness of the baby, we stopped being faithful. We, we got out of church for a little bit. And people reached out to us, and we told them what was going on, and they seemed understanding. But then she said one day, one of the staff members came over because our baby died. And the staff member said, did you ever consider your baby died because you're not faithful in church? And she said, we were done. I don't believe that staff member is the worst person in the world. I don't believe his intention was to harm. I think he misspoke. But a family's done. And the kids are done. Grandkids, I don't know. Brethren, pray for us. Our work is great. This morning, full house. I don't think you could have fit another person in here. Brethren, pray for us. Parking. Brethren, pray for us. Problems. Good problems, but problems. Brethren, pray for us. Somebody's got to think that through. You've got to find solutions to that. It's not your job, it's ours. Think of what missionaries face. 
in their great work. There are some missionaries right now who are translating scripture. Brethren, pray for them. That's kind of important. There are some missionaries who've been laboring for years and have not seen fruit. But they stay because the work is great. What's going to keep them on the field? Willpower. Prayer, brethren. The next thing I wrote down, our work is constant. Some have the luxury of clocking out and leaving work at work. Those in ministry don't have that luxury. In order to be successful in our ministry, we have to care. We care for our ministry. Many times we care for our ministry more than we care for ourselves. Paul told the Corinthians, all things are for your sakes. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. I will gladly spend and be spent. We're never off the clock. Our minds never stop thinking about the ministry. How can we improve? How can we grow? That needs to be fixed. That needs to be changed. When we talk one with another, we don't talk about politics. We don't talk about movies. We, don't, we talk about this. We talk about you. When we read our Bibles, we don't really read it for ourselves. We read it for you. We have to watch that. We have to feed ourselves. But so many times, you, when you go to the grocery store, you're, it's, like, it's like you mothers. Whenever you go out browsing, you, you, you kind of skim through your section, but then you go straight to the baby section. And you spend all your money there. We want the ministries to succeed because we care. We take personal responsibility when the ministry is lacking because we care. We're told often, well, you just need to shut that part of your brain off. Stop caring so much. Don't let it bother you. We've tried. We've tried. It doesn't work. Sometimes, in the darkest times, I can speak personally. I believe I speak for others in ministry. Sometimes, in the darkest times, we wish we could be uncaring and cold. Because the ministry would be easier that way. It wouldn't hurt so much. But anybody who's going to be worth anything in ministry can't stop constantly thinking and praying about the work and the people. Brethren, pray for us. The work is constant. And it gets weary. And a Red Bull doesn't do it. <laughs> Brethren, prayer. Prayer. The next thing I wrote down, we not only fight our battles, we fight yours. We must not only watch for ourselves, we watch for you. We must not only protect ourselves, we protect you. You will never know how many times staff comes into church singing and smiling and serving. All the while, there is a battle raging against this place and against you. Sometimes while the staff is serving and working, we're not smiling. Sometimes I don't smile when I come. 
It's not because we're angry. It's not because we're aloof or unapproachable. It's because we're fighting battles that have to be fought in order to keep you protected, all the while fighting our own. And that can be difficult to smile through at times. Now, let me say this. That's not a drudgery for us. Don't feel sorry for us. Frankly, I feel sorry for those who aren't in ministry because it's a good life. There's no higher calling. And this is not our rest. We're not here to be comforted in the ministry. We're here to be consumed for Christ. This is not a drudgery to us. This is not unfair to us. This is not something that we should ever complain about. Does a father consider it a drudgery that he must watch for himself and his children? Does a mother consider it unfair that she must protect herself and her children? Do parents complain that they must fight their battles and the battles of their children? No, it's just the fact of being a parent. And it's a fact of being in ministry. A, a fact of being in ministry is helping others fight their battles while fighting your own. We're not the only ones who do that. Bear ye one another's burdens. We're all supposed to do that. But there's something different. I'm telling you there's something different. A fact of being in ministry is taking darts that were shot at other people, but taking them yourself because they're not ready to take those darts. A fact of being in ministry is fighting battles privately so that the church is not caused unnecessary fear. Brethren, pray for us. The next thing I wrote is we are targeted by the enemy. Now we're all targeted. We're all targeted. The, our adversary, your adversary, the devil, yours as well as mine, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Here's all I'll say. A, a good enemy knows to target officers. Smite the shepherd. The Bible says this. Smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And all who serve in ministry step into the crosshairs of the enemy. Please, not because we're higher than you, not because we're better, not because we are anything over you. We're out in front. The devil doesn't even have to try at that point. The person who's out in front will get targeted and hit first. Spurgeon said this, We are the especial mark of the enmity of men and devils. They watch for our halting and labor to take us by the heels constantly. Therefore, dear friends, intercede for us with our God. The letter I received was written by a man in ministry who fell. Fell in sin. Pastor, pray for my family. Pray for my church. Pray for me. I write this with contrition. The devil knows if he can get those in front to fall. The followers can be scared and scattered more easily. So pray for us, but stick with me now, okay? Stick with me. The next thing I wrote down is, brethren, pray for us because we are weak. We are weak. We're not perfect. 
we're flesh and blood like anybody else. We get tired, we make mistakes, we make wrong decisions, we say things that we shouldn't say. We're human. Church, I beg you, do not put those in ministry up on a pedestal. Don't do that. Don't look at them as stronger than you. Don't look at them as better than you. Don't look at them as though they are not subject to the same like passions as anybody else is. Put no confidence in the flesh. I promise you, I promise you, if you, if you lift us up, we will let you down. And some of the reasons why when leaders fall, they fall so hard is because they've been lifted too high. Don't worship those in ministry. It's a shame that when a pastor falls, half the church leaves. That shows they were there for the man and not for the Lord. It should not happen. Don't worship those in ministry. Pray for them. Don't lift them up in pride. Lift them up in prayer. A preacher said of this verse, We are subject as much, if not more, to the same infirmities as anyone else. We are poor, ignorant people that know nothing as we ought to know it. <laughs> Wanting guidance at every step and sympathy and the blood of Jesus to watch both our bodies and our souls. As Paul was describing his ministry to the church at Corinth, he stops in the middle and says, who is sufficient for these things? Brethren, pray for us. We're, we're weak people. The next thing I wrote down, pray for us because we pray for you. We pray for you. Your future is our concern. Your children are our joy. Your growth is our mission. Your faithfulness is our hope. We love seeing you here faithfully. Your burdens are our burdens. Your friendship is our desire. We desire to be closer to nobody but you. Your sins are our heartbreaks. Your victories are our delight. And we pray for you. Pray for us. Next thing I wrote, it benefits you if we are successful. As it grieves me when I see people... How do I put this? As it grieves me when I see people people who seem to believe that those in leadership can never fail. It also grieves me when I see people who seem to be rooting for people in leadership to fail. It grieves me when I see Americans who seem to have no greater joy than if President Biden would fail. 
It grieves me when I see Texans who seem to have no greater joy than if our governor would fail. I appreciate our governor. He's a conservative man. I don't want him to fail. I don't want Biden to fail either. Because if he fails, we fail. It grieves me greater still when I see people, even church members, who seem to be rooting for the failure of those in ministry. Instead of being a cheerleader, instead of being a support, it's easy to criticize, it's easy to question. Instead of saying, how can we help, it's, why did you do it that way? Brethren, we're weak, pray for us. Missionaries are weak, pray for us. Pastors are weak, pray for us. Youth pastors, Sunday school teachers, staff members, pray for us. If we fail, that only hurts the church. If we succeed, it only helps the church. And if we fail, let's say this, when we fail, when we fail, it will be the prayers of the people, not the criticism of the people. It will be the prayers of the people that show us the error of our ways. If we succeed, it will be the prayers of the people. That is one of the main reasons why we succeed. Not our wisdom. What wisdom? Consider your calling, brethren. Not many noble, not many mighty are called. That no flesh should glory in his presence. You know the story of Jonathan Edwards? Sinners in the hands of an angry God. It was during the... Was it? It wasn't the... Um, what, what is it called? Was it the Reformation? No, it wasn't the Reformation. What was it called? Great Awakening. He preached a message, sinners in the hands of an angry God. He read it. The people in the service said monotone, didn't look up, no extemporaneous speech, he just read it. And he, he had to stop because halfway through, men were, men were screaming, what must I do to be saved? Stop, stop reading and tell us what we must do. Women were hanging on to the pillars, saying, thinking that the ground was going to open and swallow them into hell. Well, what a great preacher. He just, he just read it. What people didn't know, and it didn't come out until much later, a handful of people in the area, because there was a great awakening going on everywhere else, a handful of people got burdened and said, Lord, don't pass us by. We don't want to miss this. Please, as you are dealing with others, deal with us. And they spent the entire night before in prayer for revival. D.L. Moody, on one of his trips over to England, preached, and he said, I didn't preach a, a good message. I felt tired. I felt weary. I didn't feel like I was eloquent in any way. And the Lord moved in a way that I had never seen him move before. Thousands were saved. And he found out there was one woman who had been praying for over a year for that crazy preacher from America to come and preach at her church or in her city, and he did, and thousands were saved. One woman who prayed. 
the Metropolitan Tabernacle that sat 5,000 people. At one point, they had to extend it at one point, Charles Spurgeon's church. At one point, he had a, a group of pastors come. They wanted to come and see the Metropolitan Tabernacle. We want to see the sanctuary. We want to see the sanctuary. We heard it seats 5,000 people. And Spurgeon said, I don't, I, I'll show you that at one point. I want to show you the boiler room. We don't want to see the boiler room. We want to see the sanctuary. No, no, no. Let me show you the, boil, the boiler room. No, no. We, we want to see the sanctuary. Fine. He takes them in. Here it is. And they were expecting like this grand, oh, the ceilings are this high. And, blah, blah, blah. and he just went in. Here it is. Can I show you the boiler room now? He took them underneath and opened the door in the basement. And inside were 100 men on their knees praying. And he said, this is the boiler room. Whenever people asked Charles Spurgeon, why are you so successful in ministry? He always said this. Without hesitation, there is constant record of this. He always said this without hesitation. Brother Spurgeon, why are you so successful in ministry? My people pray for me. Every time. How are you such a powerful preacher? My people pray for me. Why are so many souls saved at the Metropolitan? My people pray for me. Brethren, pray for us. Last one, there is nothing more encouraging to us than when we know you pray for us. I can't tell you how many times I have been crippled by fear. I have been burdened by problems, frustrated in study, exhausted in body, spirit, and mind, only to be encouraged by a well-timed text from one of you. Hey, pastor, just thinking of you and praying for you. It does something. We're not asking, brethren, feel sorry for us. We are not asking, brethren, worship us. Brethren, pray for us. Pray for us. Pray for those in ministry. Pray for your missionaries. Pray for pastors. Pray for youth pastors. Pray for staff. Pray for us to be strong, understand we're weak. Pray for us to be right, be gracious when we're wrong. Pray for us to be safe, for there's never a time when we're not shot at. Pray for us to be leaders, and remember, we never asked to be. Pray for us to be steadfast and faithful, because the enemy wants nothing more than for us to quit. My only question is, do you pray for us? We are nothing without your prayers. We're dependent upon your prayers. The truth is, you don't need us. Without us, the Lord just replaces us. The truth is, we need you. Because without you, the Lord will have to replace us. You don't need our presence. But we need your prayers. There's a preacher, very well-known preacher, well-known to most. I think if I mentioned his name, I would have to explain who he was, and so to, I, it's, it's not needed. L let's just say that he was a well-known preacher, very successful in the early part of his ministry. Church grew, 
everything was good. I think this was back in the early 1900s, maybe the late 1800s, somewhere in there, over in England. And a time came where everything dipped. The, the church numbers completely dropped. They lost hundreds of people. People weren't being saved. People weren't being baptized. Just the spirit went completely down to the point where the men of the church confronted the pastor about it, confronted the preacher. <coughs> preacher, we don't see this anymore. Our numbers are going down. We're not growing. We're not going forward. And the preacher answered, all that you have said is altogether true, but I lost my prayer book. And what are you talking about? I, I lost my prayer book. Where, where, where is the last part that you saw? They were misunderstanding him. He finally said, there was a time where we were going forward and we were doing this and we were seeing this. But we were also a praying church at that time. The men determined to pray again. And the church saw growth again. Brethren, pray for us. When you drive by this place, pray for us. When you walk by that board, pray for them by name. Reach out to them and tell them you're praying for them. Not to be seen of them, not to gain a compliment back, but to let them know you're not alone in this fight. You know other pastors, pray for them. Other pastors in this area, pray for them. Pray for your youth pastor. Pray for your ministry leaders. Pray for your staff members. Pray for us. Nothing's more encouraging to us than that. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.